Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Well, I hope everyone is having a fantastic week, and uh, I'm excited to go ahead and dive in. I'm glad you guys came back. Um, for those of you who guys don't get that joke, last week was a little heavy. Um, this week, we're going to lighten it up a little bit um, and, and walk through it. We begin our series on the book of Acts. Um, typically, uh, I like to do four-week series, three, four, five-week series. I honestly can tell you I have no idea how long this is going to take. There's 28 chapters. This could take some time. Um, I want to take our time. We're going to walk through it systematically, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Um, and this is actually, believe it or not, my favorite style of preaching because I am a teacher at heart. Um, I love to teach. I love to educate. And we're going to walk through education on what's taking place and at the same time, spiritual implications in our lives through the book of Acts. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for an incredible day. Thank you for this book. Thank you for the opportunity to share. God, give me the words to say. Let me connect, Father God, not just with head knowledge, but with the heart of what's going on inside of each and every person here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Super simple. Open up to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Uh, if you're looking for that in the, in the Bible, go to the New Testament. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. If you hit Romans, hang a left. Um, and we'll go from there. Acts chapter 1. It says this, and we're going to go probably the first 17 verses today. And uh, then I'll stop because if I go any further, then it'll be a whole new message. So when we get, when we get done, we get done. The former account... I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles, apostles whom he had chosen, to whom, him, whom he also predestined, presented himself, I don't know why I said predestined, presented himself alive after his suffering, he predestined them to, alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heavens? The same Jesus who was taken up from you from into heaven will also come in the same manner you saw him go up. Verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all the things which Jesus began to do and teach. Luke is the author of this. Luke uh, was an associate of the Apostle Paul. 
He traveled with Paul. We know a little bit about Luke. One thing we do know is he wrote both the book Luke and the book of Acts. We know that he was a physician. We know that Luke also by his name was a Greek name, which means he wasn't a natural born Jew. Uh, I, I love this. He says, in my previous account or in my first book, he's referring to the gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and, and I love this because as we walk through this, you're going to realize what's taking place here. See, many people believe that they read the book of Luke and then they read the book of Acts as if it was a second volume some later, sometimes later, but most more likely than not, uh, he sent both volumes at the exact same time to Theophilus. Why? Because the book of Luke was written, and then the book of Acts took 30 more years. And so as we go through this, it was more of a context of they were sent at the same time. A scroll back then was about 35 foot long. You saw how long EJ's uh, Rows were um, a, a a row of, of of a scroll was 35 feet long, which if you were to write it in Greek would take about as long as it would take to write the entire book of Luke. That's why there's Luke and Acts. Luke is intending this to be one story that's flowing together. Uh, the the easiest answer as to why they sent two books is because they ran out of room. That's just honestly the the, the easiest thing. But can we just stop and say, more importantly, what would life be like for us today if we did not have this book? Uh, the confusion would take place. You've got to understand, if we just had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, skipped Acts, went to Romans, and at the end of it all, we see Jesus dies, he rises again, we see the disciples utterly terrified, and then all of a sudden, there's a guy named Paul in Rome, out of nowhere. Without the book, the book of Acts bridges the gap into the rest of the New Testament. If we don't understand and appreciate what took place in Acts, we lose the understanding of why Paul, Peter, John, James wrote what they wrote. Acts is the linchpin that connects the Gospels to the Epistles. It is Acts that shows us how we get to where we came from. And I love this. It's more than just a historical context. It's more than just a storyline. And if you're a big, um, if you love good action, if you love a, a great story, Acts is the book for you. There are some doctrinal statements in it that we will walk through. There are some big life-changing decisions that were made in the book of Acts, specifically chapter 10. Um, that's where you guys get to eat bacon. Glory to God. <clears throat> But what we have to understand is that this is more than just a fascinating story of a few ragtag group of guys, but this is something that changed the world. The world shifted when Acts was being written. James uh, Boyd says this. He says, humanly speaking, Christianity had nothing to go for it. It had no money, no real leadership, no technological tools for propagating the gospel. It faced enormous obstacles. It was a new religion. It taught truths that were incredible that were incredible to the unregenerated world, and it was subject to the most intense hatred and persecutions of every known religion of its time. If we didn't have this book, we would just see this guy named Paul losing his mind on the book of Romans. 
But the book of Acts answers the questions. It tells what happened to the disciples. It's the part two of the gospel that keeps going on. It gives us new characters with some backstories, and it lets us know how they became great. It lets us know how we go from these men who were cowardice and, uh, and rebellious, who did deny Jesus, to all of a sudden we see them setting up a whole new world order. We see this guy named Peter who goes from denying Jesus to going fishing to being called out before the new risen Jesus to all of a sudden he is now the leader of the church. How, how does this happen without understanding what takes place in the book of Acts? It also tells us what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. And this is one of the most mind-blowing experiences that we can ever have. I don't know where you stand with the, the gifts of the Spirit or who Holy Spirit is or all of those things. We're going to walk through that today a little bit. Next couple of weeks, a little bit more deep and, and detail. But let's take this way. The Holy Spirit, and we believe in a triune God. It is one God in three persons. Okay? You have God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, God the Holy Spirit. They are not three individuals. They are one. We're not going to go into a huge... Uh, doctrine of the, uh, of the Trinity today, but the Holy Spirit is not a new character. The Holy Spirit didn't come on the scene when Jesus was here. In fact, the Bible says in Genesis that the Spirit hovered over the waters. Since the beginning of time, he has been here. Since the beginning of time, he was a part of the whole situation. And we have to understand that when the Holy Spirit finally broke through into humanity, he took a group of uncultured, unlearned group of misfits who were rebellious and full of fear without any kind of training whatsoever and without any mass media, without having Twitter, without having any kind of push and any form of propaganda, and in 30 years flipped the world upside down. That's mind-boggling. They didn't trend. They didn't have Facebook ads. They couldn't push it on TikTok and, and, and Instagram. They didn't do mass mailers to let the gospel know what's going on. They didn't have road signs or radio ads. They couldn't even mail anything. And in 30 years, they go from hiding in a room to becoming a world leader. And this is why we see the need for Luke. There is a wave of Christianity crashing over Rome. It was barging at the gates. You have these men, you have these women who are hearing about this risen Jesus for the first time. You've got to realize, we take the idea of Jesus for granted. And you have this group of men and women who for the very first time in their lives are hearing the name of Jesus, that he died and he rose again. So is he a son of Zeus? Did he fight one of the gods? When he went to Hades, did he beat him? Like what, what's, They're asking all of these deep, detailed questions, and in comes a Greek. In comes a Gentile. In comes Luke, who can speak the language to explain everything about Jesus and what's taken place in the world today. And this is where our first person comes through in the story, Theophilus. We know nothing about Theophilus. Nothing at all. In fact, we don't even know if he was real. 
The word Theophilus means God lover, so maybe Luke is writing to all the lovers of God. I don't buy that. I believe that Theophilus was a real individual. Uh, maybe Theophilus was a believer who just wanted the backstory of Jesus, and he had uh, financial backing to, to, to send Luke on his journeys to write. I feel like that could be the case, but that's a little shallow. There's a third option that I love the most. Now, again, this is not gospel. This is just Pete. Uh, I believe that Theophilus could have been a Roman official. And Luke is writing Luke and Acts in defense of Paul. Any good magistrate at that time who is hearing about this new religion called Christi- uh, you know, of the Jesus followers, any good magistrate at this time is going to be looking at the details of why is this man, Paul, a leader in the faith coming before the court? They're going to want details. They're going to want understanding. And I believe as you watch what Luke has done, he lays out in a very Greek fashion the story of who Jesus was and how Paul got into the situation he got, he got himself into. I mean, you've got to realize at the end of the book of Acts is Paul in prison. So it's like, and here we are, you're caught up to speed, Theophilus, pass the word on to Caesar. N- notice, if you will, for just a second, when you read Luke and you read Acts, all the Roman officials seem smart. They seem intelligent. They're cunning and wise. And they, hmm, they contemplate a lot. Maybe I should send this new Jesus to this guy and send Jesus to that guy. Luke wasn't fudging on the numbers here, but he also understands that he's writing to a judge. He would want the judge to be like, you stupid Roman officials, and you did this. No, he's writing towards an audience. And this very well could have been one of the big briefs that was laid out before the audience to go, this is this man, Paul. This is what he believes, and this is why we are where we are today. But the most important thing for me in this first verse is this. Everything Jesus began to do and teach. In the book of Luke, it tells us and conscribes with us the things that Jesus began to do. And I don't know about you, but at the very top of my book, it says the Acts of the Apostles. And I feel like that's a very... Luke didn't write that and be like, Acts of the Apostles. Now, we, we added that as titles. It was one long story. We broke it up into segments. And I, and I think that the Acts of the Apostles is a short, short-sightedness of writing the title. I think it could have been the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. I think as you walk through it, you'll realize how little the apostles could actually do without the Holy Spirit in their lives. They didn't do this through programs. They didn't do this through strategy. They didn't do this through getting a a marketing guru. They did this through the Holy Spirit. And real quick, I'll give you the synopsis. Chapter 1 and chapter 2 is the how that chapters 3 through 28 happened. It's that simple. Chapter 1, chapter 2, tell us what was the fuel that created, what is the domino that pushed the rest of these things over. And one thing we also need to understand is that Acts is not a detailed church history either. 
As a matter of fact, we're told in Acts chapter 9 that there are some churches in the region of Galilee and Samaria. And you know what? We're given just a few little details about them, but we know through historical context they were thriving church in Galilee. There was a thriving church in Samaria. There was a thriving church in Egypt that's not even really mentioned about. There were thriving churches expanding all over the place. And at this time in history, we're getting a slice and a piece of the pie of what took place in Acts, some of the highlights. The next thing you got to realize is that this took 30 to 35 years. This was the hardest thing for me because when I got saved and I got uh, radically on fire for God and I began to, to hear about Holy Spirit and, and chase after the Holy Spirit and going through all of those things, I would read Acts and I would get pumped up and then nothing would happen. And I'm like, Maybe I need to get saved again. And then I would try it again, and nothing would happen over and over. And I felt like a huge failure. And this is what happens typically when we take this out of context. Over 30 to 35 years is this. Two things happen. Either A, we read all the crazy accounts that the apostles did and go, there's no way this could happen in my life. I quit. Or B, we compare every day to their 35 years of experience and go, I'm such a failure. I can't compete with this. What's wrong with me? And we deal with shame that we're not performing as many miracles. We've got to realize it was 30 to 35 years with multiple storylines going at the same time. So this is the good news. Number one, this didn't happen in 30 days. And if you're not experiencing 15 different salvation, uh, 15 different people raising from the dead, and you're not experiencing getting stoned over and over again and raising yourself from the dead, if you're not experiencing your shadow healing people, it's okay. It's 35 years. I want you to take your life. And the pastor, I'll be 40 in July. Glory to God. Oof. Shonda, you've already laughed at that one. Stop. I'll be 40, and I want to take out the past 35 years. If I was to take my last 35 years of life and give it to you in a three-hour reading and not tell you how long it took, you would go, this guy, my word. I was in the principal's office a lot. Miss Christine, you weren't even there. <laughs> From kindergarten to high school to playing sports to getting spanked a lot to, to wrecking a car, God only knows how many times, to getting uncer- a, 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 a mass amounts of speeding tickets and running stop signs to then going to uh, an internship program and going through that and preaching overseas and going to Europe and preaching over there and preaching in Jamaica multiple times and preaching in Mexico multiple times and, and then all of a sudden uh, getting engaged and then getting married and then having kids and then going to one church then going to another church then going up the, the ladder to seeing miracles take place and to, to, to laying hands on sick people and watching them recover to watching people who don't even believe in God get healed to, to casting out demons and then all of a sudden I, I, we, we come back here and then there other things take place and unfortunately we have a, 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 a divorce that takes place and then my character is beat down then I get re- you go through 35 years in three hours that's a lot <laughs> you would go there's that's a lot of life Pete like it's 35 years 35 years so let's take a breath and not compare ourselves to what God was doing but here's what I want you to hear me say is that what God did in their life is the same God that's working in your life my job is not to compare myself to what Paul, Peter, and, 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 and John Mark did. My job is to be Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
living in this moment now. Okay. Verse 2. Until the day when he was taken up after he had given command through the Holy Spirit in which he had chosen. There came a day after the resurrection of Jesus in which Jesus was taken up. He ascended himself into heaven. But before he did, he gave instructions to the apostles about what to do in his absence. He gave them a notice right then, and he said two things. I love this. He looks at them and says, in verse 2, until the day he was taken up with the commandments, he said this. Do these things that we're about to walk through. The risen, resurrected, glorified Jesus is still using the Holy Spirit. Look at that. The day he was taken up, after through the whole... Jesus has resurrected. Jesus has died. He rose again. This is the time he should flex his own muscles. I've been working through the Holy Spirit in this mortal body, but let me show you what I can do now. No. Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, is still following the lead through the Holy Spirit. And it's pretty obvious what I'm about to say. If he's doing it, why do we think we can skip it? Jesus, while on earth, was still flowing through the Holy Spirit. And here I am going, I got this. Am I greater than Jesus? And he looks at it and goes, I'm still using this. Verse 3, he presented himself, Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days, speaking about the kingdom of God. Jesus appeared to his disciples a lot, but not to just the 12, not to just the followers. No, he appeared to them enough and in, and, and in convincing ways that they had no question and no doubt at all that he was alive. There were rumors going around that somebody stole his body. And he would just walk through them like, here I am. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 6, it says that we can see that he was seen by over 500 at one single time. And I love what Paul says is that the vast majority of these 500 were still alive when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. They still are talking about, man, I saw Jesus too. Mm. Friends, it's an infallible proof that this wasn't just a delusion of 11 remaining men and a couple of ladies. More than 500 at one time saw it. And they would testify 25 years later that they still saw what they saw. They didn't have group forums so they could maintain their ideas. But as Paul would go and as Luke would go city to city, they would find a witness who would tell the exact same story over and over again. And I love verse 4. And while they were standing with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father 
which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus had nothing else for his disciples. The last thing for him to do was to say, go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus calls him the promise of the Father. Here's a to-do list, guys. You've got one box. Just one thing. Make it simple, Peter. One thing. Shut up and stay in your room. If I heard that one, no. Um, <laughs> I can just see Peter talking to Jesus. Jesus, you're back. Let's go walk on water. Jesus says, wait. Jesus, you're back. Let's go lay hands on the sick and show them your power. Peter, just wait. Jesus, let's go preach to the people. Just wait. Let's go heal. Just wait. Because one thing we have to realize is that there is power in patience. Jesus knew what was on its way, and he was unwilling to let them get in the way. I, I, I love to take my kids, and we do fun things. Sometimes I surprise them. Sometimes I get them involved in the process. But if I know something is coming that is fun, I know something's about to happen that we're going to have a great dessert or a great meal, and my daughter is saying, I want a snack now, sis, just wait. But dad, I'm hungry. Just wait. Because I know if she stuffs herself with something now, she'll miss something great later on. And if they're not where they need to be at the right place at the right time, they're going to miss a wonderful thing. I hate waiting. Does anybody else just... Waiting's the worst. I ordered something from Amazon a couple days ago, and I was angry, angry, Julie, that it was going to take four days to get here from the other side of the world. Like, what do you mean four days? I've got Amazon Prime, two-day delivery. Four days. How many of you guys love to go to lunch, and you walk in, and they're like, hey, how long's the wait for four? 35 minutes? Isn't that the best? No. Because let me tell you what I'll do. As I'll walk in, I'll be like, how long's the wait? 30 minutes? Oof. And then I'll spend 15 minutes talking about a new restaurant to go to, then drive for 15 minutes to that restaurant for a 10-minute wait. <laughs> and if you can do the math, I'm upside down. And this is what happens is that when we are continually trying to do our own thing at our own speed, we will continue to find ourselves upside down in the presence of God. And God wants you to be walking in confidence and in everything. Because here's the thing, waiting on the Holy Spirit is not wasted time. And you'll experience this sometimes on Sundays here. It's not every single Sunday, but some Sundays we're, we're playing, we're singing, we're, and then there's a, there's a break, and we're, we can feel his presence, and we're just playing. Why? We're waiting. It's not wasted time. Come on, next song, next song, next song. Get preaching. Make it fast. I got places to go, people to see. Like, calm down. 
slow down a little bit. Your life is busy enough. Take some time every single day and calm down and wait with the Holy Spirit. It's not hard. I'll put it this way. One thing that I've begun finding myself doing is I take my kids' electronics away when we sit down for dinner. Why? There's nothing wrong with having a phone or an iPad or whatever it is, but one thing I know is spending quality time with my kids face-to-face is not wasted time. And later on in life, they can push play back on their YouTube video. But here's the thing, is if I'm always looking for the next thing, I'm missing what's happening right now. If you go, and we all, we, we know these friends, maybe you are these friends, maybe you are this spouse, the moment you wake up, what's happening? What's going on now? What's up? And as soon as you get to the next thing, you're asking questions. My daughter is, oh, the worst when it comes to this. The worst. We will pull up, what's happening next? We just got here. We go to Six Flags a couple of weeks ago. Hey, Dad, what are we doing after this? I'm like, we haven't even gotten out of the car. Like, can we go ride some roller coasters? Can we just hang out for a little bit? What are we doing after this? Uh, Going to get food, and then after that, I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know, McKenna. Just relax. (laughs) Be in the moment every day, every day, whether it's in your vehicle, whether it's at the house, whether you got to the office a little early, you need to wait with Holy Spirit because he knows what's about to come upon your day. He knows the stress. He knows the Karens. He knows the mean bosses. He knows the woman that's going to talk about you. He knows the guy that's trying to be smiling to your face but coming for your job behind your back. He knows all of those things. Just spend time. One of the principles my dad taught me when I was 16, and I think it was because I was a distracted driver, but he would tell me on a regular basis, hey, Pete, just turn your radio off every once in a while when you drive home. Just turn it off and listen. Because I, at 16, blare the radio, driving on the road, and one thing he was telling me is you don't notice when your car is messing up if you don't hear it when it's sounding right, and all of a sudden, clink, 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 you're hearing something shift. The same issue is in my soul. If I'm always blaring things in towards my soul and I'm not taking a moment to go, is everything right? I'm going to miss something. Have you ever found yourself reacting wrongly at a situation? Every day. Maybe it's because we didn't take time to ask ourselves, to listen to the Holy Spirit and go, hey, is everything good inside? Is there unforgiveness? Did I, did I deal with that situation properly? Am I walking with peace towards my coworker, towards my spouse, towards my family? Is everything good with my mental health? Holy Spirit, am I dealing with stress? I have found myself over the past couple of weeks waking up at 2, 3 in the morning stressed. And I don't know why. Have you ever found that? Like you're awake and you're feeling tense, but there's not this thing that's taking place? And then... I don't know, about three or four or five days into it, I thought, maybe I should ask God. (laughs) Like, ding, fries are done. Like, come on, Pete, think things through. And I just found myself asking, Holy Spirit, what's happening? Because when I'm calm and asleep, my soul is still not at rest. And the Bible tells me that the Lord gives sweet sleep to those. 
So if I'm not getting sweet sleep, why? Well, there's a turmoil in my soul, and Holy Spirit sees it, and he's just sitting there going, any day now, come to me. I'll tell you what's going on. My dad's notorious for this with me. I'll go to start fixing something, and he'll look at it, hmm, and he'll walk over here, and then just watch. He knows that I'm doing it wrong. But he's like, yeah, he'll figure it out. And when he's ready, he'll ask. Holy Spirit looks at it and goes, hey, I got the answers, guys. I'm talking to you, but you're listening to your music. You've got your headphones in. You can't hear what I'm even asking you questions. But here we are. Waiting on the Holy Spirit is never wasted time. To say wait means that it's something worth waiting for. When he says wait, it also means that there's a promise on the way. Wouldn't it be cruel for Jesus to say, hey, wait on the promise of the Father and then disappear and never send? That'd be torture. No, he says wait because a promise is on its way. Wait also means that you have the ability to receive it. It's not this idea of a, a mystery box that you can't open up. It's not this present that you can't figure out. They couldn't work up all of this within themselves and conjure up and get themselves hyped. The disciples aren't there listening to a rock mix before they go out and preach about Acts chapter 2. Like they're not psyching themselves up. Mom's talking about us working out, and, and every once in a while there'll be some heavy weights. I'm like, hey, I can't talk to you right now, Mom. I'll put both headphones in because I need some, some honestly angry music to listen to to get me angry, so to lift this weight. All 20 pounds. And um, <clears throat> no, it, their energy, their enthusiasm, their loops, and their hoops would not give them the desired result. It only came with them waiting. The mere fact that we have to wait is another sign that it came from heaven. If they could have done this without waiting, they would have thought it was a magic action that they did that caused it to happen. If Jesus says, hey, the Holy Spirit's coming. He'll be here soon when you figure it out. And they're doing something, and Peter's over fishing out of the left side of his boat. All of a sudden, he starts praying in tongues. Hey, guys, I figured it out. It's the left side of the boat fishing rod, not the right side. No. It's about waiting on God's timing, waiting for the perfected uh, promise of the Father. And I love this idea of just waiting for the Holy Spirit because waiting on him aligns myself to his time schedule. Man. I love listening to this part because Jesus looks and says, I have something inside called the Holy Spirit. And in John, he says, I have to leave so that you can have this. They knew what this promise was. When they said, when he says, wait on the Holy Spirit, 
He knew exactly what they, were, what they were saying. This is the thing that Jesus is looking for. This is the thing that's going on. Not many days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And what does baptize mean? The word means to be submersed. If you, we're going to have baptism, uh, baptisms in a few weeks, and, and, and we'll take somebody, and we'll push them underwater, and then I'll wait for a last bubble and panic, and then lift them up. No. They go under and they come right back up. And to be baptized with the Holy Spirit is about your entire life going under his control. Yeah. It's not Holy Spirit on Sunday, Pete on a Thursday. Yeah. Being filled and baptized in the Spirit is to go under his complete control. Yeah. Man, we're going to go through this in the next couple of weeks. I've got to hurry up for time's sake. Skipping, 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 skipping. And, and then Jesus wouldn't be Jesus if he didn't just set out the teaser. Not many days from now. Well, how many days? Meh. Not many. Like, I think that's kind of relative. Many to me, maybe two. Many to you, maybe 30. Jesus goes, it'll happen when it happens. When it happens, it happens. Just wait. Four days, five days, Jesus? Four weeks, five weeks? What's, what's going on? Not many days. Verse 6 shifts, and it seems as if the disciples don't get it. But I would say contrary to that. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Remember, part of the promise of the Messiah is that they will make Israel come back, that Israel will be part of something great again. Part of the Messiah's job is to restore Israel. And, and by looking at him saying, will you restore Israel again? I don't think is them missing the point of what he's saying. I think they're going, is this what we're looking for? Is this the restoration of Israel? Is this what we're, we're chasing after right now? Are you going away and are you coming right back? What's taking place with all of this? And Jesus looks at them and says to them, it's not for, your, to, for you to know the times and the seasons in which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, Jesus is going, hey guys, I understand what you're asking. I understand what you're looking for. Small steps. Let's get the Holy Spirit in activation first. You're putting the cart before the horse. There's going to be some time. And this is where it's really cool for me because not that we're adding into Scripture. We can never add to Scripture. You can never add to Scripture. You cannot add to Scripture. We're not adding to Scripture. However, it sets a time for us to continue the work of Acts. Because when this moment happens that he's talking about is the final moment that we're, we're looking for. And he's like, hey, you've still got more time to act. Because if Jesus would have looked at him and said, is this the moment? It'll be here in 2,000 years. 2,000 years? That's forever. I, I, I love that Jesus doesn't give a definitive answer here because he tells us that every generation has a responsibility still. Every generation has a responsibility. If Jesus would look at us and say, hey, you know what? I'm coming back 2045. 
you know what? At 2044, we're all going to get really busy. Look like we're super Christians for one solid year before Jesus comes back. It's not what he's doing. No. He's looking and going, every generation has those that are lost. Every generation needs a Savior. Every generation, ready, needs you to communicate the need for a Savior. Verse 8, but you shall receive power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is what they're waiting for. How do you know that they're filled with the Holy Spirit? Is it because they were praying in tongues or because a cowardice Peter became bold? I, I think I can explain rationally somebody speaking another language. You know, there's head trauma that does this. You can actually have a head trauma born and raised in Alabama, have head trauma, wake up speaking like Ibra-ish. Yeah, but you know what you can't do? Here's the kicker. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't change everything you are for long term. You can be fake for a season, but eventually your fakeness will run itself out. And through Holy Spirit, you will see life change take place. Power shall come upon you to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I've quoted this verse thousands of times. Last night, I was just going through it all again, and I found myself in a whole new line. This is why we can't skim through verses. Famous verses, John 3.16, Genesis chapter 1, 1. Read it with fresh eyes every time. You know why? Because I got something from this little section here. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. The place where they killed him, the place where they rejected him, the place that they hate him, and the place they're forbidden to go to. Why didn't he say to Galilee, to Bethlehem? Go preach in Capernaum. No, I want you to be a witness in the place where, they, where you watched them murder me. Remember the story where he could do no good works? I want you to go back to the place where I couldn't do a good work, and you will. Remember Samaria, your sworn enemies? I want you to go to your enemies and preach the good news. And then I want you to go to the Gentiles, the people you're not supposed to have a relationship with, and preach the good news. Because those four things right there would be a powerful sign that something has shifted in these 11 men. They're going back to a place where they could get murdered. They're going back to prove who they are in, Ju in Judea. They're going to their enemies who they hate. Who Remember, Jesus, why are, you, why are you talking to this woman? Why are you doing this? And now we're going to go back with love? Yeah. And God, wipe these wicked Gentiles out. God, not yet, God. Give me time to lead them back to you. I love this. He says, you're going to go to places that were hard for other generations to go. Places that were hard for Jesus to enter. And you're going to be a success there. 
Think about that. Through the Holy Spirit, it could be your line right now where your mom, where your grandma, where your grandpa, where all, they, had, they had struggle after struggle after struggle after struggle. But through the Holy Spirit, this, you could be the generation that has the breakthrough that they've been praying for for all of this time. Through every form of rejection, through every form of racism, through every form of, of condemnation, through every form of issue, through every form of gossip, every form of, of social and economic injustice, whatever it is going on in your world, you could have the breakthrough because you now have power with Holy Spirit. And you're going to be a witness. Think about that. You're going to be a witness. It, you're going to have a testimony to declare of an eyewitness account. A few years back, I, I had to perform a wedding, and uh, I had a three-piece suit that they gave, you know, told me to buy. And okay, sure, so I buy it. And the the problem was the the suit place um, gave me a vest that was a small, and I'm not small. And so I'm like, hey, this isn't going to work. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to leave a little early to the wedding. I'm going to go get exchange, get, get the right vest so everything's good. Okay? This is funny. I pull in, and there's a guy. Now, I, have you ever, do you ever know somebody that's just a magnet for crazy things to happen in their lives? Hi, I'm Pete. That happens to me. And I pull in. And so I'm so used to bizarre situations. I, my head's on a swivel all the time. Like, I'm just always looking around people because I'm expecting something crazy to happen on a regular basis. And I, pull, I go to pull in, and I turn, and I'm looking at this guy, I'm like, he's got crazy eyes. You know what I'm talking about? You see somebody, you're like, mm, something's not right. You're spidey, you know, you're, you're tingling, you're like, here we go. And I pull in, I take a left, and as I go, I'm, I'm about from here to the gymnasium away, and I'm my eyes are just locked on this guy, and he's, he's doing one of these things. And I'm like, hmm, well, he, he's not a homeless guy. It's not a, a person that's not mentally, there's some, but there's something just not right. And I get my car, and I kid you not, from me hmm, to about this podium, and he pulls a gun on me. Yeah, that's what I did. <gasps> and so I'm like, oh, God, I duck, spin my car. He slaps the side of my car. Cow, 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 and unloads magazine behind me. Okay? I'm like, that just happened. And I look up and I'm turning around. I'm like, what's going on? I'm dialing 911. They're on their way, yada, yada, yada. I'm hiding in my car. Like, I have no gun on me. I have no nothing. I'm like, what's happening? Scared. Don't know if anybody, there's people laying on the ground. I'm like, what? This is intense. Broad daylight. I'm like, here we are. So the police show up, sheriff's department owns the scene. They're like, did you see something? I'm like, yeah, I told him what had happened. He says, can you give me in detail what the guy was wearing? Absolutely I can. Why? I saw it and it burned an impression into my mind. To this day, I could ID this man. No questions about it. I said, yeah, he was in his late 50s, early 60s. He had a red shirt, a white ball cap, and blue jeans. Gave the description. And he goes, really? And I said, yeah. And he goes, red shirt, white ball cap. Yes, sir. You're sure? 
got just shot at me. Yeah, I'm pretty confident, I know. And he goes, come with me. We took mm, about 10 yards up, and he goes, kind of like that. And I went, that's him. The guy shoots up a car and then sits at the bus stop as if he's waiting for the bus, as if he was one of the victims the entire time. They swarm, they put him on the ground, <laughs> and then they say, hey, we need you to come to the station tomorrow, and you need to uh, do an ID. Like, great. So I walk in, ID the guy, do a whole line. It wasn't cool. I was hoping for, like, the lineup. It wasn't that cool. It was just some photos, and I'm like, oh, that was him. Uh, like, there was never this, like, two-way radio. Number three, can you say something? Like, um, like there was nothing like that. It was, like, it was very anticlimactic, actually. I'm like, this. He goes, do you want to see the video? And I'm like, yeah, I want to see the video. Sure enough, you see my, <laughs> my little SUV, a ghost driving. You just see wheels creeping through the parking lot. I don't know how I didn't hit a car. Glory to God. And uh, yeah, but you know what I was? I was a witness to a traumatic event. And when it comes to this moment, I had to stand and I had to give a testimony of everything I saw. And because of my testimony... It changed the course of other people's lives. And this is what Jesus is saying. You will be a witness to places that were no access granted for me that will change other people's lives. And when we talk about being the Great Commission and we talk about following Jesus and we talk about preaching to the gospel, we talk about leading others to the Lord, we talk about talking to your coworkers and to your friends and neighbors. What we're saying is this, tell them your testimony so that it will change their lives. Not just the people that are easy, the people that are hard. And when he said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up on the cloud and took him out of their sight. In times past, he just vanished, and then he would reappear. He would vanish and reappear. And, and I love this, that he's talking, he just begins to float, like David Copperfield, and float up. Now, you and I both know that heaven is not literally above the clouds. We've sent people to space, unless you're a flat earther, then that's between you and Jesus. Um, we've, we've sent people to space. We know that there's not a breakthrough into heaven. But symbolically to them, he was leaving and going up. Symbolically to them, he was not coming back down. Symbolically to them, this is not going to be, we'll see you next week, Jesus, fish fry. He says, as they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. When I get to heaven, like, I wanted to play the TiVo of this one, like just to watch their faces. Number one, angels are so cool. They play it so cool. Like, what are you guys looking at? They, they know what they're looking at. They know it's exactly what, a guy just floated into the sky. Like, can you imagine this? Like, I, I don't care if you know it's God. To this day, Jesus could show up right next to me and then just start floating. I'm still going to be in awe. A man is floating in the sky. Like, that's incredible. And they're like, what are you guys looking at? What's so cool? Uh... There's a, there's a man, he's behind that, he was behind that cloud. That cloud just, he's gone. Men of Galilee, you stand gazing into heaven. This same Jesus who was taken up from you 
will sow in a like manner as you saw go into heaven. In other words, he's coming back. You watched him leave this mountain. He's coming back to the same mountain. You can read this in Revelation. He's coming back to the exact same mountain. You watched him leave his followers. He's coming back for his followers. You, you watched him ascend. He will descend back down here. This is not the end of the story. And that's the kicker in the first 11 verses of Acts 1 is this. The story isn't over. It's just a new chapter. And it's your chapter. Revelation is again his chapter. He's going to come up and it's going to get gnarly. But right now, this is your chapter. This is what you're going through. He said, I must leave for your benefit. You will receive power. Power is tricky. Power is tricky because it's not always in the noise and it's not always in the grand display. It's not always in the show. Have you ever watched a kid have a freak out in the middle of a store? Yeah. Let's be honest. Who has more power, the kid or the parent? I mean, seriously. I mean, the kid's showing a great display of just, you know, freaking out. But the 250-pound dad could probably knock him out. And maybe should. The power wasn't in the show. The dad actually has more power than the kid freaking out. And this is where you have to find yourself, is that just because something is loud, and just because something is noisy, and just because something is putting on a show, does not mean it has power. This is our world. Our world is doing this. I grew up in Slap Out, and uh, we had uh, a creek behind our house with a lot of woods, and it was not uncommon to walk up on a snake. Dad would take out a lot of uh, water moccasins, but there was other types of snake, not just water moccasin. And I'll never forget walking up, and there was one right there, and it lunged at me, missed, and I st stood on its head. I didn't kill it. I just put pressure on the back of its head. What did that snake do? It squirmed. It wrapped. It tried to wrap itself around my leg. It, it's, it's flopping all over the place. It's doing its best to get out of my grips because it knows I have more power than it right now. And if only you would open your eyes to realize that the world is doing the exact same thing, you would realize how much power you really do have. The, the time is running short. And the evil one is freaking out because the time is running short. Remember the show Supermarket Sweep? Remember that back in the day? And they, they, they had like a, a time clock and they were just throwing junk in there. They're like, why did you get 20 cans of spam? They just panicked. They're running out of time and they're just throwing stuff in the shopping cart. That's exactly what he's doing. He's running out of time and he's panicking, trying to grab as many as he possibly can. And the way he gets the most is by convincing you that he is bigger than what's on the inside of you. But just because he screams, 
And just because he wants to cancel, and just because he wants to isolate, and just because he wants to demean, and just because he wants to call you names, and just because he wants you on the defensive, and just because he wants to deep, he can't depower you. He can just convince you to stay home and be quiet. That's the kicker. See, power is not in the noise. Power is not in the screaming. Power is not in the threats. Power is knowing what needs to be done and having the ability to do it even if it's not popular. One of the worst jobs to have is probably a principal. Mr. Collier's our principal here at the school, and I, my heart goes out to him and Connie in a lot of ways because everything they do is the wrong thing to everybody. Everything. You don't have enough rules. You've got too many rules. And our private school is, guys, I'm tired of seeing these boys with long hair. I'm tired of you telling them how to cut their hair. You, you tell me where the win is. So what he has to do is settle himself and go, what is right? What is right? And then you can scream and you can yell and you can make Instagram ads and you can make TikToks and you can talk all of these things, but I know that what I'm doing is the right thing even if you don't like it. And that's what true authority is is looking in the face of everyone going, I know you're not going to like this, but you need this. You need to hear this. And the only way you're ever going to have that power is to have the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Father inside of you. Two things. The first thing is this. Pete, how do I get this power? You have to first be a son or a daughter. It's a gift of the Father. You have to be one of his. It's the first rule. It's not the gift of a stranger, gift of a crazy uncle. It's the gift of the Father. So you have to be one of His. To be one of His is to make a declaration in your life that I'm submitting myself to God and His ways over my life. It's a repentance of a heart. It's a changing, not of just your actions, but a changing of your soul going, I no longer want to live a sinful, wicked life. God, I give you my life. This is what we call salvation. It's looking and saying, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, as the King and the Ruler, and my whole life is now His. That's the first thing. The second thing after that is this. Ask the Father. And then wait. Wait. Well, Pete, if I ask today, will I receive? I can't promise you that today you're going to get everything you're thinking you're going to get. And that's the beautiful part of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is you do get baptized 110%, but I have noticed in my life it has developed more and more over time. The, the Pastor Allen you see today is not the same Pastor Allen he was the day he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He has grown every day in the power of the Holy Spirit, as will you. But you have to do, as EJ, planting the seeds, start somewhere. 
become part of the family, not New Life Church family, the family of God. And secondly, ask the Holy Spirit to come. Father, I, res- I want the gift that you have promised me. I want the gift that you said that we could have. And then just wait. Go about your day. Live your life. And every day, meditate. Think about the Holy Spirit. Think about the things that God is doing. And you'll start feeling subtle cues. You'll start seeing things a little differently here and there. My mom used to tell me, the things you think are obvious aren't obvious to everyone else. Why? That's a gift of the Spirit. It's not in the loud, boisterous, me praying and screaming in tongues. In fact, the fruit of the Spirit is a lot more subtle. We'll get into that later on. But living a life that has been transformed and changed that has a testimony attached to it is the best way for you to explain the gospel. Live it out. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just thank you, God, for this moment. If you're here today and you say, Pete, I want to become a son or a daughter of God. My life has been my own. I've been living my life crazily. I've been living my life full of sin. I've been living my life with everything my way, and it has gotten me nowhere, and I am ready to now dedicate my life to Jesus. I want to be part of his family. If that's you, just throw your hand up, and we're going to pray for you real quick. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, hands. I'm here for it. Thank you, Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. Everybody just say this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for what you have done for me. I believe that you are the Son of God. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Be my King and ruler. I give you my life. It is yours from this day on. If you're here also and you say, Pete, I need the gift of the Holy Spirit. I have not received it. I have not asked for it. I uh, I'm, I'm living a life that has been just by my own means and my own understanding and my own knowledge, and, and I truly want that second step. I, I want to have the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's you, throw your hand up. Yeah, boom, 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 boom. Wonderful. Put your hands back down. You're great. All you do now is you just ask for it. You ask for it. Father, we're here. I ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Fill me, baptize me with power and might. God, I want to be used by you with all the gifts, with all the privileges, and all the, the, the power that comes with it. The gift that Jesus promised. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Man, people got saved, people asked for the Holy Spirit. It's been a good day. And y'all, y'all didn't get mad at me today like you did last week, so we're good. We love you guys. We're going to keep pushing through Acts um, and seeing some crazy stories about to take place through the lives of the apostles. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.